0: Father in heaven, we, we come before you this morning, we want to worship you, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord God, that you are our King, that you are our Lord, and that in you lie it all, the answers, our are, are comfort, our are, our courage, everything lies in you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that even this morning we may see that the necessity of having a channel, an openness, a a a, a Channeled to what between us and you, Lord, to see you clear clearly to be obedient to your word, Lord, and we, we pray, Lord, that you will may, may press upon our hearts the necessity, Lord, of being called a people and to be obedient to your word and to your holy Spirit, so we want to pray, Lord, that you be here with us this morning, we pray Lord for your for your presence through the Holy Spirit, may move in our hearts, may prick our hearts, may give us the ability. To repent, to give us uh, the ability to cleanse our hearts, our ways, Lord. We pray, Lord, as we as we go into your word that we may have eternity in mind, Lord, that every truth comes with having you and eternity in mind. We pray, Lord, for your wisdom here. We pray, Lord, that there's no room for the enemy to, to steal and to take away, that your word may come into our hearts. And may bear fruit, not only 30, but also up to 100 fold, Lord. So we pray that you be with us. We thank you for this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about encouragement. as i uh, as i am observing the last month as i watch bel- young believers starting to scratch their head as i watch young believers uh, wanting to lose heart as i see old believers struggling Discouraged I I ask myself what's going on? What's happening? And I I come back to the simple truth that we've known all along that Christ has called us into a relationship. And in all of our lives, there has to be clear evidence of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be a witness there that there is a relationship. I always come back to the verse where Jesus stood up in front of the whole Crowd there gathered on this great feast, it says. And it says, whosoever believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of it, the innermost part shall flow life. That is the testimony that the Lord Jesus requires of his people. Not discourage or do I have to do that Is this actually the way it is? Do I need to give up this? Do I have to tolerate this, brother? What does it take for a believer to walk in victory and be encouraged? To be encouraged means to uh, to give support. Um... Give confidence and hope. So as, as believers, this is what should reverb out of our being, confidence, structure, hope. As the word of God says, if anyone asks for, what hope that, for the hope that is within you, he tells us, Peter tells us to respond with meekness and fear. So it should be evident in our life. And the beauty is Christianity is the only religion, it's the only belief system, so we may call it that, where our God is an encourager and a helper. If we truly seek his face and learn to walk in his ways. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's little room for discouragement and for loneliness and for disheartening. If Christ is really in our life. So as I I ponder the last messages that we preached here from this pulpit, I again realized how important it is for a believer to stay engaged and fight the battle. Just be in the battle. Be alert. Be ready to fight. Be fully armored. And we had a few exhortations here which were purposely focused on young believers. And last time I preached here, I, I talked about how a man should cleanse his ways, and I focused a lot on the Word of God. And I'm here to say today, do we, do we even remember that message? especially young believers. How should a man cleanse his way? Because if we did not take that message to heart, this message today will be hardly worth your time sitting here. I can guarantee you. And it does not mean that if you weren't here in the last message, that this message will be worthless. But it means if that very thing of pursuing the Word of God and esteeming the Word of God in our lives. If death is absent, then it's going to be a tough journey. We grow in the faith according to our last act of obedience. And where does obedience come from? It comes from the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is coming true. A message, is it coming through <clears throat> the Holy Spirit speaking to us, through the Word, or through a brother? It requires action. It requires a response. And our, our obedience then continually brings us to new milestones. If you have actively, actively pursued Christ in your life, you can look back and you can see a milestone. Being born again. Giving your life, your, your everything to the Lord and laying it down at the foot of the cross for healing, for a, a surrendered life, being one as an identifying in Christ. Is the battle over then? Of course not. Then sanctification starts. He cleanses us. He, he convicts us. He, there's another milestone. I can think of a few in my life. You continue, you search and you, and you search, and the Lord takes away things that we held dear, and He cleanses us from these things. After the wilderness journey, they came in, the children of Israel came into the promised land, and the hard rough, roughness of the wilderness was over. And here is the land of milk and honey. Everything was built for them. There was, there was honey, there was fruit, there was crops, everything was there. But were the battles over? I'm sure we could, if, you, if we could speak to them, they could speak about each and every battle. We know of the bigger ones. We have a whole uh, a bunch of verses where it talks about defeating all these different people, but there were battles. So our obedience to Christ continually continually brings us to milestones. They can be huge or just minute, insignificant or exciting. The main thing is that 100% of the time it will demand a response from us. As simple as walking in humility with our brethren, asking for forgiveness. As simple as giving up a nasty habit. Or whatever that may be. They're milestones, and if we are not obedient to them, of Christ prompting our heart, we will not grow. Some of these milestones require spiritual warfare. their heart then this is probably where many of us fall apart. We don't want to go there. We don't want to do what it takes. It's painful. We live for the here and now. We don't want the embarrassment. We don't want the shame. So, especially we as men, I think men are notorious for that. We come up with excuses. We come up with um, all kinds of, talk, pretty talk, how I'm actually okay, it's, it's good. And all that have all what happens in the meantime is, is pride is building up and our hearts are hardened, whereas humility, walking in humility, the Holy Spirit softens our heart. And with each passing trial that, that we pass and with each, Act of obedience. The Lord is softening our hearts to be vessels that He can use. Many of these 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 milestones, many of this this war that we fight in our in ourselves and uh, in our journey, there is an aftermath. One one good example is what we what some of uh, you young people experienced here. And, and giving your life or recommitting your life to the Lord. And it was warfare. And it's serious. The enemy is threatened. Anytime we openly confess and choose to follow Christ, the enemy is threatened. If, do we think the enemy will just sit back and relax if, uh, if uh, some territory or some possessions are taken from his grasp? He will not. But there's going to be warfare. But praise the Lord, we have Him on our side. We have Christ. We have the Lord on our side. But this does not mean that we can just relax. The Bible teaches us to be vigilant. To be vigilant. To be alert. To be on guard. To be fully armored. It requires warfare. And I'm, I tell you, it's, it's, not, it's not going to end with one trip to the altar. It's warfare. It's warfare. And if the Lord, or if the Lord, for example, again, if the Lord convicts me as a believer to mend my ways and purify my ways. Maybe I'm confronted with giving up a certain lifestyle or covetousness or habits or whatever that may be. That all requires warfare. That all requires encouragement and healing. This is one of the reasons we need to be active in the body of Christ is for that very reason to be encouraged. No matter where we are in our walk, we all need encouragement. Every person sitting in this room needs encouragement. And in the Lord, especially if you're fighting the battle, you need encouragement. And one of A lot of times when we're in need of encouragement, we tend to withdraw. And a lot of times when we withdraw, (coughs) a poor me kicks in. Oh, what has happened again to me? We accuse brethren. We, We sometimes even accuse the Lord. And... I believe one of the one of the greatest gifts God has given us is the body of Christ, is fellowship to encourage one another. And a lot of times, the discouragement comes after a battle with something, especially if we make a um, a, a very how should I say profound or very effective act of obedience or moving our lives is when we need encouragement. And it does not matter what our position is. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter who we are in in the church, a young person, an old person, a leader. or It doesn't matter. We're all in need of encouragement. One time or another. So the question now remains, where On which side of the encouragement do we want to be? We usually want to be on the receiving side. But when we are on the receiving side, someone has to give. And a lot of, a lot of times when, when we withdraw, instead of coming before the Lord, I'll get to that later, or be encouraged by our brethren, part of the poor me comes from, from a lack of giving, and therefore, we get this, this feeling that I, I'm fighting this battle alone. A lot, most of the times in relationships, in the church, it's, we get out what we put in. Any time in my life when I've been involved in spiritual warfare, I was all the more in need of Christ and encouragement from God's people. Every time, every time. And yes, there are times I just wanted to be alone. And it's, it, that's healthy too. But before the Lord. Here's an example of a man that was fighting the Lord's battle. But after he was in such need to be comforted and encouraged. And I usually say the more intense the battle, the greater the need. In, uh, I'll not read it, but in 1 Kings 18 and 19, we have the story of the prophet Elijah. And it depicts how God interacted with this prophet when he was so discouraged. He was so discouraged, he wanted to die. In verse 4 of 19, it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Like, let me die. I am so done. I'm alone in this battle. Just let me die. Just imagine what happened right before that. And we can learn from this story because, like Elijah, we sometimes feel alone and discouraged. And again, the, the interesting part is many a time it's after a victorious battle. And like I said, is it, is it giving our lives to the Lord? Is it being born again? Is it, is it making a decision that brings us closer to the Lord? Is it, is it mending relationships? Whatever that may be, this discouragement a lot of times comes after victorious battles. But this is a good model here of Elijah. And how he cares for us. So Elijah had proclaimed God's message of a drought to King Ahab. And sure enough, there were three years of drought in the land. But God was preparing to show himself in the circumstances of a drought through his man, Elijah. You see, the problem was not the drought. The real problem was idolatry and how the children of Israel Moved away from God. And this is also in our lives. If, if we don't keep these uh, these principles together in our life that, that keep us close to the Lord, we'll also be way more vulnerable to discouragement. So Elijah challenged King Ha'am to call together all Israel and Baal's prophets to Mount Carmel and ask them, who will you choose to serve, the Lord or Baal? He then told Baal's prophet to prepare a sacrifice to their gods and, and prayed to Baal to light a fire under the sacrifice. They accepted a challenge and all day long they cried out to their false gods and nothing happened. Then it was Elijah's turn. He prepared a sacrifice and he even poured water on the, around his sacrifice and called on the Lord God of Israel to light a fire. He wanted to demonstrate God's power and hopefully turn the people's hearts back to the Lord. And that is what, exactly what God did. It was an astounding victory for Elijah. He then went ahead and slid all the false prophets and then he prayed for rain. And God answered again and sent rain to the parched earth. It was a glorious day. It was like a freeing day. A day of seeing God at work, defeating the enemy, and bringing the much-needed rain. Just the rain in itself. Three years, no rain. And then all of a sudden, seeing God respond, bringing fire, devouring everything, everything, destroying the enemy, destroying Baal's uh, province. Victory. However... Ahab's wife, the wicked, influential Jezebel, heard it. And uh, Elijah had heard that she had killed all the prophets that he knew of, probably. And she tried to kill him. He heard of it within 24 hours. So now, what a blow. Here is victorious, the man that God has used, Elijah, and now is the victim. So terrified he ran for his life. And uh, the same man who had, been, who had seen God's miracle of fire from heaven and slain 450 Baal worship, worshipers, now he's sitting in, in a desert and he wanted to die. He went from being a warrior on a mountaintop to despondency in the wilderness in a single day. Kind of. It's it's understandable. But still you would think after such victories, God is on the move. But when we look at these men, these men that that God used in the word, they were people like you and me. That's it. They were nothing special. Jesus was flesh. So, what did he need to recover? A lecture, a poke, reminder of what God has done. It's, it's interesting that all he needed was encouragement. Let's look at what the Lord gave. Remembering you could be in Elijah's, we could all be in that position. Today, what if we think about it, what do we need? If, if life does seem so hard, what do we need? The Lord gave Elijah a quiet place, rest, touched him, fed him angel food, and gave him water. The angel came again, touched him, fed him, and spoke words of encouragement. In our lives today, how do we need to be encouraged? What is wrong when we feel discouraged or carrying around more weight than we can handle? God cared for Elijah. He ran into the wilderness. He showed up. And I think that is a, that is a good sign. That is a good recipe for us. The first place to start is to go find a quiet place and be honest with God. Ask God and open your eyes to how he will encourage you. Now, that does not mean to exclude and to, and to go into a corner somewhere and exclude ourselves from the rest of the body. But to go find some quiet time and meet with the Lord. As Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which see it in secret shall reward thee openly. This quiet time that we need to spend with the Lord. In one sure place where we will find the Lord is in his written word. If we go with a heart of humility and seek his face, he will meet us. And the heart of humility is the important part here. Because without humility, there is no God, there is no Holy Spirit in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit going into the Word, the Word is simply just a letter. Next, I would say... The neglect of embracing the word is one of our biggest weaknesses. In, uh, in Scripture, after victories, I've, I think I've said that, we encounter more land to conquer. We, we encounter more battles. After the wilderness journey, there's the promised land with plenty of enemies to deal with. And either we dream of going back to Egypt Or we pursue to conquer the enemies. Either we falter when we see the enemy or the obstacles, or we choose to trust the Lord. When I see believers, especially young ones, getting careless with their walk, most of the time it's neglecting to obediently live out the word of God. God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. We're just saying that. And most of the time, if a believer or if we start to backslide or we lose the life of God in us, it's because we're not obediently living out the word of God. Remember last time I spoke about Um, searching the word, embracing the word, immersing ourselves in the word. Today I want to focus more on making the word of God come alive in us. In James 1, I want you to go there. There is a great admonition on that. And this is the battle a new believer enters into it. And for me, it's the second strength a believer participates, and it's twofold. So the first one is is finding the quiet place before the Lord in honesty, in humility, and speaking to the Lord. And please, I'm talking about if we have gone thus far and given our lives to the Lord and surrendered our lives to him. James chapter 1, verse 21. <clears throat> Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. James one twenty one. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So, we know that, that when we come to Christ, we lay aside all appearances of evil, all the wickedness that we are conscience of we know it's there we walk away from it it says therefore lay it all aside and receive with meekness with meekness german bible says with samfmut. but we know what meekness is it's accepting the authority of that and walking in humility under that authority receive with meekness the implanted the engrafted word when we receive that word Here's what it does, which is able to save your souls. It is able to save your souls. But how? He goes on. But be doers of the word. So first encourages us to receive the engrafted word. Because he says it's gonna save your souls. But he says, but be doers of that word. We receive it. And I like the word engrafted. It's like grafting an olive branch or it's, it's grafted into our hearts. It's being made part of us. It's implanted. The new king says implanted. It's implanted into our hearts. But he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And here's the scary part. Deceiving yourselves. So, one of the ways we can be deceived is by just always listening the Word and hearing the Word and and even reading the Word but not being obedient to it. Not being doers. Just listening to it. We are in danger of being deceived. Being deceived is one of the tragic, one of the most tragic decisions a believer can come into. Because if we're deceived, we do not know that we're deceived. And again, I I believe it comes from the fact that we look at the Word, the Word touches us, and instead of with humility receiving it, as he says, with meekness, we come up with all kinds of excuses, and therefore we eventually harden our hearts. And in the flesh, we just get stronger, and we walk in deception. And there's a, strange, there's a strange hardening that's happening in a person's heart like that. If we do not effectively deal with the word. Most of the time, it happens. Like I said, because we find excuses, and we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves, we're okay before the Lord. And that's why it's so tragic. So here's how it looks. For if if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. I'm sure which most of us did this morning by looking at you. You looked at yourself in a mirror, you calmed yourself, you washed your face. It says, for he he observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. This is such an excellent... (laughs) picture of just hearing the word and then walk away and not engrafting it, not letting it work in our hearts. It says it's like walking up to a mirror. You look at yourself, you calm yourself, and then you walk away, and you actually totally forgot how you look. It's contrary to a man that is obedient. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but de- taking the words that he hears, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." He's not a forgetful hearer, he's a doer of the word that he heard. So he takes the picture of the mirror, and he goes with it and remembers what he looks, what he needs, what needs to be done. He just doesn't walk away from the mirror and forgets it. The Word of God is in the mirror here. And such a man is fully conscious, and every day he is being molded and shaped by the Word of God, the engrafted Word in his heart. The results are work of such a man, such a lie will come forth. And the next two verses are the evidence. And I believe a lot of times, again, well, this is one of the strongest points I believe believers are struggling. is to be just hearers of the word. Because this is when the rubber meets the road, with a young, especially with a young believer. That's good news. It's exciting. We feel the cleansing power. We experience the cleansing power of Christ. And then we have to start walking. Well, you're in the kingdom, now He commends us. How do you come closer? As we draw nigh, He draws nigh to us. And it's where we lose heart a lot of times, A discipline where we fail to be doers. Verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Here's another one, our tongue. And I find the warning again, very interesting. Is our tongue has to be bridled. And, And some of us are very good. I'm probably not the one of these ones, but words come easily. But they have to be bridled. Because what I sense there has to be a truth there. There has to be a channel of truth there between our heart, what the Lord has done in our heart and the tongue. And this is how life will come forth. But if we do not bridle the tongue, it's probably all from up here. It's probably foolishness. It's probably words that don't matter. And it says you're deceiving, deceiving your own heart. It says this one's religion is useless. And it's evident. It's not a piece of evidence. If the tongue is out of control, it's on a different page in our heart is on and therefore will drag a person down. So go, more evidence. Verse 27, pure and undefined religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. This is tender hearts, tender hearts that, that choose and are obedient to visit widows, orphans. And that can be that can be interpreted to needy, needy people. Um, always be aware and always be alert of needs, and always be there to fill that in. And to keep ourselves, to keep oneself unspotted from the world as purity. Part of the evidence that a believer is walking that walk is there's evidence of a of a purifying heart in that believer. Not more liberty. Not more fun, but purity. And in the end, with, with that, with this part here, I believe if we neglect that, we'll see discouragement. We will we'll walk with discouragement. We'll walk with a lack of purpose. It is in living out that life where we'll be encouraged. Turn to Galatians 5 with me. I will go but. Be going over just a few verses there and mainly point out the results of obedience to the Holy Spirit. And again, we will notice that obedience to God is directed to God's people, the church. Which to me is a third point to be strong in the Lord. So it's spending time, spending time with the Lord, meeting God face to face, being obedient to his word. And being obedient to the Holy Spirit in relating to the body of Christ. Galatians 5.13 For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Okay, we will all say amen to that. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But how? But true love serve one another. So here, here's this big calling and declaration. I, I find it amazing that we've been called to liberty, to be free in Christ. Just, just look at the difference here of how liberty is being interpreted in the Western world today. In the secular world, it's even worse. If would just watch what's happening in the news. But look at even here. We've been called to liberty. But only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Using that liberty to serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you de- if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Down to verse twenty-two we see the fruit of such obedience. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-sovereign kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, ending one another. So in conclusion, as God's children, we'll always struggle unless we learn to walk in a love-filled obedience. We'll lack purpose. We'll lack encouragement. Thereby, we'll not encourage other believers. And the fruit of the Spirit here, again, is a fruit of choosing to walk and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit that comes forth. And this is why we we talked about patience in the opening. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's evident who a man is actually, who he actually is by his walk with the Lord. A father and a son arrived in a small town looking for an uncle whom they have never seen. Son and the father pointed out across the square to a man who was walking away from them, exclaiming, he was walking away, there goes my uncle. His son asked, how do you know when you have seen him, when you have not seen him before? Sorry. Son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. If we walk in the spirit, the world knows us by our walk. And it will shine forth from us as a people, as individual and as a people. So I'm not going to make this complicated. <clears throat> Our source, for again, for encouragement comes from these points, is finding the sweet hour of prayer and time alone with God. If we neglect it, there's not much going to happen. I, and I, I believe most of us can say, would like to say amen here. Because we can relate to that. There is not much going to happen if this hour is not real. Come before him in humility and receive his love and his grace for our life. Number two is be hearers and doers of the word. This one, again, it takes two parts for its completion. Be hearers and also study the word of God. But what it makes it complete is to be a doer, which is obedience to the word. Without obedience, there is no fruit of the Spirit. Surround yourself with God's God's people. God told Elijah, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. They are there. The church is a safe place for God's people to grow and to be nourished. And I will go as far as to say the greatest hindrance to that is our neglect of pouring out our lives for God's people. We so often focus on the receiving end rather than giving end. As in the prayer of St. Francis, he said, O Divine Master, granted I may not so much seek, to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as, as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. There is the wisdom of God in this prayer. Philippians 2 3 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out only for his own interests, but also for the, in- the interests of others. Who will encourage God's people in the walk? Who will encourage the body of Christ? It's us. Today, what is, what is each and every one, especially believers who are confe- con- confessed believers, what will you do to encourage the body of Christ? Or are we waiting for another good, good dose of being encouraged? What do we do? Now I also know there's, there's a conflict here. If a person actually serves. And the Holy Spirit really works in their life. They will say. I, maybe I need to do more. Of course. But. Just keep in mind. What I want to cultivate here is. It's in what we give. Not, with, not at what we look to receive in them. And that will encourage a believer. It is us who will encourage Our fellow believers. Not the world. The enemy will for sure not encourage the believers. But it's only if we see that we are source of encouragement. Rather than just a recipient of it. In the end God is faithful. In him are all the resources. We have to tap into them. We have to tap into them. And it is in neglecting these things. That I believe, while well, we have young Christians struggling, we have old people, discouraged. In our own lives, we, we, we're, we, we're probably also guilty for neglecting our brothers and sisters, but it also in our own lives, we have to keep these things fresh and up to par, so to speak. Spending time with the Lord Alone. Be in the word and be surrounded with God's people. There has to be plans, there has to be active moves in our lives, decisions, where these things are happening. So Amen. I leave you with that.